It happens in the blink of an eye. It felt like we just dropped out of the sky and hit the ground. Immediately inside the plane, total chaos. A moment in time that changes your life forever. When you see the pictures of the car, I don't see how anyone could survive. Often these moments are just the beginning of a new world for the people who experience them. And you know the outcome is going to be drastic, but yet you still know that you have to do it. Each episode of Just a Moment examines someone's life-changing experience and explores how they navigated through that moment to discover a new normal. And I see beauty now. This is me. I promise you will hear compelling, raw stories that may help you navigate through your own life's journey, if you'll give me just a moment. Hi friends and welcome. I'm starting with a question this episode. What would we do without grocery stores? It's something most of us probably take for granted. But during the COVID shutdowns, we saw how important our food chain is. The farmers, processing plants, transportation and delivery, and of course, our neighborhood grocery stores. While many of us were able to stay safe at home with our families, grocery store employees became frontline workers, unloading trucks, stocking shelves, and checking us out at the register. In some cases, they even did the shopping for us so we could just pick up our grocery order without leaving our cars or have the groceries delivered to us. It was dicey for the entire grocery industry, but I was especially worried about the small local grocery stores like my local Sauter's Market. Ray Sauter started the market nearly 100 years ago. Since then, his son Bob and his grandsons, Bob and Jim, have grown the family business. Three generations of Sauters carrying on a family legacy. When you walk into the store, that legacy is on full display with a variety of old black and white photos hung up on the wall showing Sauters market through the years. But a few years ago, Jim Sauter thought that legacy was about to come to an end. He was in his early 70s, and neither he nor brother Bob had a kid who wanted to take over the family business. In just a moment, that all changed. I talked with Jim about the pressure of continuing the family legacy, and about how he and his brother managed to keep their stores open, their shelves full, and their employees working during that terrible moment when COVID-19 shut everything else down. How did your family get into the grocery business? It's an interesting story because um, my grandfather, my dad's father, his name was Ray Sauter. He was born in 1894. And um, he got into the bar business when he was in his early 20s. And uh, he was running a bar. And then Prohibition came. And um, needless to say, they shut all the bars down. So grandpa had to find another profession. So he tells the story that uh, he went to work for an older gentleman who had a store in the neighborhood in downtown Toledo. And in those days, uh, there was a store in every corner. So this guy was getting up in years and he asked my grandfather if he wanted to come into the business. And uh, my grandfather wasn't sure because he wanted my, my dad to go in with him. Sure enough, dad said, yeah, let's do it. So they bought this corner market, which was probably nothing more than 4,000 square feet, just a little tiny place, no refrigeration, 
you know, just tried dry goods mostly. So anyway, um, they ran that for a while. And then um, in 1946, uh, my dad and my grandfather uh, built a store on Door Street, 509 Door, which is just off of Collingwood. And at the time, it was a, it was a German neighborhood, and the store was like 6,000 square feet, which was a big store for that time. And uh, they ran that store for quite a few years. And then my, uh, my dad had the idea, we need to go to the suburbs. He saw a future in the suburbs. And I don't know if it was dumb luck or what, but uh, he found a piece of land in Sylvania. And he couldn't find anybody to loan him any money to buy the land to build the store. There was a little bank on the corner of Maine and Monroe called Sylvania Savings Bank. And they decided they would loan him the money to build the store in Sylvania. Wow. So at that time, how much, you know how much that loan was for, Jim? You know, I think uh, the store in Sylvania initially was probably a quarter of a million dollars, but that was back in the 50s. Yeah. That was a lot of money. My dad had five kids. He had a small house in Toledo and he had to put it up for collateral. <laughs> so my dad said, I had a few sleepless nights. Um, there, was no, there was no safety net. Um, you either did it or you didn't. Fortunately, it worked out for him. So in 1972, we expanded that store in Sylvania. And then in 1971, we built the store in Waterville. That's when my brother and I went out and opened that one. So we ran, Bob and I, my brother Bob and I ran the store in Waterville for 15 years. And then I came over to Sylvania. My dad was <clears throat> getting up in years. He was asking if someone could come over and help him. So he, he, was, uh, he was my age. Uh, well, I'm 75, so I know what he means when he needed help. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I went over, moved to Sylvania, and Bob stayed out in Waterville. And then we expanded Sylvania again in 1992. So from the initial store size, we doubled Sylvania. And now we're kind of landlocked. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of room. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. What, uh, Jim, go back to when you were a boy. Did you work in the grocery with your grandpa, with your dad? How was that for you growing up? Yeah, um, yeah, I did. I, when I was in the eighth grade, uh, was when we opened the store in uh, Sylvania, and uh, I had a paper route, so I said, well, I'm going to sell my paper route and go to work for you, Dad. So at least in the summer, I think he paid me 50 cents an hour. Is it that much? I'm not sure. I probably wasn't worth it, whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I worked, I worked at the store and uh, kind of did, uh, you know, on the job training, uh, the school of hard knocks. Did you enjoy it as a kid? Yeah, I really did. Um, it was, it was enjoyable. I, and it was a good income source for me, but uh I worked in every department. I learned produce, meat, you know, deli, bakery, grocery, every phase of the business, which was good. But the downside was, I will say, I remember never seeing a high school football game because I was always working. <laughs> but, you know, I somehow made it through. At that time, Jim, did you have a sense that this is something that you might make your own career? and that you might, this might be a legacy that you would carry on? Um, 
Or did you have other well, plans for yourself? No, actually, I was kind of a, I don't know what you want to call me, maybe confused, confused young man. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And I was waiting for my dad to tell me he wanted me to come in. <laughs> so he, he assumed my brother was going to take over. And I don't know what he thought I was going to do. So finally, one day I, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'd be interested. So I guess he had more confidence in my brother than me. <laughs> but I, I came in. And uh, so eventually my brother and I, you know, were able to uh, take over from my dad. And uh, in the meantime, my grandfather had passed on. And so, yeah, it was it was never pre-planned. It just happened. So one of the things I love about coming into Sauter is all the wonderful pictures you have up on the wall there that show your family members and the old grocery store, the black and white photos there um, as you walk in and out. They're so fun to watch. What do you what do you remember about those days, about customers, about your your dad and your grandpa's philosophy of business and customers? You know, my dad was very customer oriented. He, he never wanted a customer to leave the store if they weren't happy. And his philosophy always was we would always offer the very best of what we could buy at the fairest price we could offer. And we always knew we would do our customers right if we did that. So that's, we've, we've stuck to that. Quality, service, taking care of our customers, making sure that they are satisfied when they leave. We're just very much focused on the customers. You um, mentioned about learning all of the different departments. You know, were you butchering meat, Jim? Did you have to, I mean, is that, did you guys get a whole cow brought to you at the grocery when you were a kid and you'd have to figure out how to, you know, cut it apart? Did you have a butcher there that helped teach you that stuff? Right. I mean, I'm imagining that back then when you first started working there, it wasn't like it is today where some of the stuff comes a little more prepackaged. Right. Yeah, it, I can remember the days, when, when the, the trucks would pull up from the back and they had like um, uh, hind quarters of steers and front quarters just piled high inside these trucks. And these drivers would pull these things off, put them on their shoulders. And we had a, we had a hook with a roller system and they'd hook it and they'd roll it into the store on this, on this uh, grid that we had. And then we'd weigh it and then price it out, you know, make sure the weight was the same. Yeah, but we had to break the beef down then. I mean, it was a, it was a lot of work. Um, those front quarters could weigh up to 200 pounds. And the hind quarters usually went about 150 to 175. So when, when it came time to break the beef down, you had to hoist that front quarter or hind quarter onto the block, and then you had to saw it and cut it up and to steaks, roasts, whatever. But yeah, that, in those days, those were real butchers. That was an art. Today, like you said, most of the meat comes in kind of prepackaged in a way it's in box. Um, so there's not a whole need, a great deal of need for a skilled butch, butcher anymore. Um, although we do have, I have several on staff who are very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's totally different. Let's fast forward then. You are running the store in Sylvania and you have a family of your own. 
you guys have been in business now for decades with Sauter's name on the outside. Was that a source of pride for you growing up? And I can imagine, I mean, when I come home from the grocery, I have Sauter's printed on my bags, right? So it, that has to be a source of pride for you and your family. It is. Um, we, Grandpa actually, and my dad actually started in 1927. So we're approaching a hundred years and David would be the fourth generation which is kind of unheard of in any family business. Usually they don't go far past two generations. So yeah, it's a, it's a personal thing. It's a pride thing. Um, you wanna keep it going, you know? It's for posterity's sake. <laughs> right, right. So I think that that's something, kind of a challenge that a lot of family businesses um, have. So let's bring Dave into the conversation now. Your dad grew up in a grocery store. Did you also grow up in a grocery store, Dave? Oh, definitely, yeah. And and how old were you when you started working at Sauter's? Um, I think I became a bag boy when I was like 11, 10 or 11. But then I, I worked, you know, that was more just kind of something to do at the time, helping out. Um, but then I worked there in high school and whatnot, so... Was he paying you more than 50 cents an hour? Uh, just, just a tad more, but not too much. <laughs> it was not, though, your plan growing up to carry on the family business, right? You had other things kind of on your mind. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always had a passion for what we do in food. And, you know, just like many other people that are growing up, you don't really know what you want to do. And you kind of have to you know, try your try it out at a, a couple of different things and see what works and what doesn't fit. But I kept <laughs> kind of not feeling fulfilled in what I was doing. Um, and grab it. And I've always enjoyed cooking. I've enjoyed just growing up in it. So it's something that I'm really happy to be back doing. What was it that made you decide and what was that conversation like? I'm going to take it from Dave's um, point of view first, and then I'll get your perspective, Jim. When you had that conversation with your dad, I'd like to come back and be part of the family business. <laughs> um, I think he was caught off guard because um, at the time I was living in Chicago um, and I had, you know, I had a job I enjoyed and, and um, I think he would, I don't think they ever expected me to move back and help out, but it had been something on my mind for a little bit. Um, you know, like my dad said, it's a point of pride for us. And yeah, I think he was caught off guard by it. <laughs> but I think, you know, I'm glad he welcomed me back. Jim, what was your reaction when he called and you had that conversation? Well, um, there's a little bit more to the story. My brother's son-in-law, my brother has a daughter. That's his only child. And she's married to Donnie. And uh, <clears throat> Donnie came to work for us uh, maybe 15 years ago. And um, he'd been with me 11 years. And he, he's a good man. He's a good worker. But one day he said, I think I want to move on to another profession. So we said, okay, um, let us know when you find something, because then we will replace you. Um, so, and I think this is kind of divine intervention. Um, about a day later, and Dave didn't know this, Dave called me and said, hey, is there a chance that I could come back to the family business? And I said, there's a good chance now because Donnie's going to be leaving. <laughs> so it took a few months for Donnie to transition into another job. In the meantime, David came back. So it was, it was all kind of smooth. It wasn't like 
I had to bring Dave in and compete with Donnie, which would have been a little bit difficult because uh, you get into fi family dynamics. Because Donnie was exiting, David came in, so it was a nice, smooth transition. Talk about your feelings about knowing that your family was going to continue to be part of the business. Yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Um, I can leave the store, and if I know that, you know, I've got family there, Dave, he's going to look after it just like I would. So that's very comforting because sometimes when the cat's away, the mice will play. So <laughs> we always like to keep a cat around. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. So for, for folks that haven't gone into solders, uh, tell me a little bit about how do you describe solders? Dave, I'll start with you. How do you describe it? You know, I, the way I describe it is that we have been, so a lot of the trends right now we've been doing for years by local have a unique blend of products. Um, it's, it's a family environment. We keep it loose. We're very not corporate. A lot of our employees have been with us for over 20 years. Um, we, we try to keep things relaxed, fun for people, and just we want it to be a, a fun place to shop. Um, and I think when people come in, you know, I've, I've lived in Arizona, I've lived in Chicago, I've been around the country, and I, I really feel like our store stands up. Our meat department, our deli bakery, our just our wine, beer selection. Uh, it's, I'm, we're really proud of it. And I, I always find myself comparing our store to other stores and I'm biased, but I think we're, I think we're top notch. So it's a good way to feel about, you know, your business for sure. Jim, what about you? How do you describe solders to people? Uh, a shopping adventure. Uh, when I talk to my customers, you know, every week people will say to me, I just love coming in here. I never know what I'm going to find. There's always something new, different, unique. Um, things you're not going to find in other stores. And that makes it kind of fun for people. It's not the same old routine every week. For people who haven't been in there, there are just shelves of things in nooks and crannies of the store. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I needed that, but I do. And you pick it up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very dangerous place sometimes. <laughs> when you come in with a list, the list usually goes out the door. Um, but there is that community and family feel when you come in and shop at Sauter's, which is what you're trying to keep there. How do you though compete with the Kroger's? You have two within mm. a mile of you, um, you know, that's uh, a national chain or yeah. any other national chain. It has to be kind of a, t a tough uh, competition there. It is, um, you know, over the years, uh, since we've been in Sylvania, especially, I can remember <clears throat> AMP came to town, then um, Food Town. They built that big store there on Monroe Street, uh, where there's it's a medical center now. They had the biggest grand opening of any of their stores they ever had, Food Town did. They had to have a cop out there directing traffic just down the street from us. <laughs> it didn't make me feel too good. But anyway, um, you know, we've seen Giant Eagle come and go. We've seen, um, you know, AMP's gone now. Uh, you know, Churchill's had the big store. They're gone. Um, you got Walmart's, you got Meyer. you got all kinds of competition that have come and gone. Some of them are still around. Uh, we just, we just try to do niche, whatever we can do to be different 
And, you know, when a customer walks in my store, they know that if I'm there or David's there, that that, that particular uh, customer can talk right to the owner and get results if they have a question or if they want something, we can take care of it right now. We don't have to go through a bureaucracy, you know, send it to a committee or send it to Cincinnati and then they'll send it back. So it, it's just, we're, I think we're just, we, we're able to react quickly to what's going on. I have actually seen people ask you for things and say, hear you say, heard you say, yeah, I'll put that on the list. I'll have it next week. So it, it is kind of interesting that you can just, you know, meet yeah. there when people are asking you for things like that. Well, we always right. follow up, you know, people say, I can't believe you called me back. You know, nobody ever calls you back on things. I had that yesterday with the guy because he was requesting um, a wine that got uh, the distributors not carrying anymore. So I called him. I was like, unfortunately, we can't get that for you. And he was really grateful. And I think that's also why in our store, we're very local centric and you're going to find products that you're not going to be able to find in a Kroger or a Meyer because like my dad said, just to uh, reprice an item, it, it takes three weeks, you know, uh, to bring a new, to bring a new item in like um, uh, from a local vendor, they have to run it up the chain. And so that's why we, we want people to feel like it's kind of like a local farmer's market when you come in. It definitely has a different feel and, um, I would even say somehow a more manageable feel, right? So if you get overwhelmed by going into a Walmart or you know a huge Kroger superstore or something, Sodders just feels really manageable to a lot of people. Yeah. One of the things that I also wanted to talk to you both about is uh, when COVID hit and people were under lockdown and there were all sorts of worries about food and the food supply and transportation of food from place to place and factories that are producing food, are they going to be able to get them to stores? And I think we all kind of got a feeling about how important grocery stores really are in our lives and how important this food chain really is. What was that like for you all when COVID hit, um, Jim, what was your first thought when you were hearing about all the shutdowns and everything? One of the problems that we faced was, like you said, getting supplies. So we started looking at uh, different options. We were buying toilet paper from restaurant supply places. We were getting paper towels from them. We were getting meat and uh, other um, uh, goods uh, from different restaurant suppliers that we ordinarily don't use for suppliers. But they were, they were having a problem because the restaurants were shut down. So they were looking to sell their products to people like us. So we were able to supplement our meats and our dairy, deli, all that kind of stuff. We were able to keep those, those uh, pipelines pretty full. We had very few outages in meat. Um, chicken became scarce there for a little bit, but we never ran out. So we were very fortunate. We, had, we make a lot of contacts, like Dave said, we buy from a lot of different people and uh, we support a lot of the little guys and those little guys were the ones that supported us when COVID hit. What did you notice during COVID about supplies, about your customers? Uh, I, well, our customers are great. Um, did you feel that appreciation from people? I mean, definitely. I mean, we we're all, we were all in it together. 
I think being at our store provided some comfort for people at times. It was a familiar place. The biggest lesson from it all is having is the power of flexibility and not getting tied into one vendor or one mindset of how to do things. You got to think outside the box. We always appreciate our staff and their family to us, but it really, they really went above and beyond during this time. And it was just a team effort. I mean, our, the supply chain was totally, you know, our truck would usually come at 7 a.m. It would show up at 11 p.m. at night. And I had six people showing up at 11 p.m. at night with me to unload that truck and work till four in the morning. And they were happy to do it. And I, it's, I'll still, I'll always remember that. I'll always remember just the team, you know, turning up when we needed them. And that was, that was super important for us. The customers were great. There was a lot of anxiety with everybody. There was a lot of just uncertainty with everything. And I feel like we really, you know, us, our staff, we, we really went above and beyond and provided, you know, a safe, comforting place for people to be during this, this past year. So obviously grocery workers, we came to understand our frontline workers and, you know, there is this fear of COVID and this fear of uh, catching this disease that's rampant that we're all under lockdown over and you all don't have the luxury of just staying at home. So what kind of protocols did you have to put in place for your people to feel safe to come in? And did you have folks that just said, I just don't feel safe coming into work and interacting with people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, obviously, it's something we, we had to take very seriously. We continue to do so. Um, and just, you know, we monitored symptoms of people. If, they, if, if anybody was exposed, you got to get a test. If, you, if you're positive, you stay home for the, the 14 or 10 days, whatever it is. And that was, that was really important to us because, you know, it can jump like wildfire. And that was another reason why supply chains were so screwed up because, you know, I would call my rep from our, one of our main warehouses and I'd be like, why is the truck not here? He's like, well, we have 40 people out with COVID right now. So it's like a lot of understanding. And then, yeah, I mean, we did, we did have um, some, some staff members that felt that it was, they would be better off staying at home and that's totally fine. Um, and they're now back and we had a place for them when they came back. So just having flexibility, staying on top of everything that was coming at you and just trying to provide the safest environment possible for everybody was, you know, always top of mind. So Jim, you just mentioned yeah. you're 75 years old. So, you know, um, us folks on the other end of the age spectrum from Dave had to be a little more cautious about things. Were you nervous about all the interactions you were having and being at work every day? Well, I did stay away for a while. You know, David had a baby a year ago. So I told him I would stay away from the store before his, uh, actually his wife had the baby so that we could see the baby. And then I went back and uh, yeah, you just wear a mask and, you know, just wash your hands and just be as careful as you can. I will say uh, when we talk about our staff, they, they were over and above. Uh, we did reward our people. Um, we gave them bonus checks for all of our employees equaling $150,000 that we spread out over our employees because we wanted to reward them for the service above and beyond. Because 
um, it's, it wasn't easy going out there every day. You know, you don't know what you're going to face. So um, we, we thought it, it was in our best interest and theirs to reward them for what they did for us because we really appreciated it. We saw from time to time people that didn't want to follow rules like wearing masks inside um, stores like yours. Did you ever have any confrontations with anybody that just didn't want to follow the rules? Ordinarily, we don't have a, a big issue. Uh, I know most of my customers and some people just come in and forget that they don't have a mask on. Right. Yeah, I mean, like to be honest, 99.9% .9 of the time yeah. it was like, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Like, it's kind of funny. You'll be outside and you'll see somebody walk from their car to the, to enter the store. And they like so many people have to turn around and go back to their car because they forgot to bring their mask. Called the uh, mask walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done it before the mask walk myself. <laughs> yeah. I had one guy, he came in the store and he, he was flagrantly not wearing a mask. And my, my manager's immediately pointed him out. And so I, I walked up to him and I said, here's a mask. He says, I don't wear masks. And I said, well, then you, you won't be able to come in the store and shop. And I said, because it's mandated. And, and I said, if you don't wear a mask and they come in and see you and I'm letting you get away with this, they'll shut me down. I said, so you either have to wear the mask or you leave. So he says, well, he gave me a card and it, it was some kind of website where people didn't want to wear masks and I was supposed to look it up. Needless to say, I tore the card up <laughs> and he left the store peacefully. <laughs> I mean, when you own the store, you get to make your rules, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And well, we, we want everybody to be safe. The, not only the customers, but the employees are people are stick, you know, they're putting themselves out there too. Right. So, yeah, but we had really, we had probably, very, very few incidents um, compared to what you hear would happen at other stores, you know, where it actually turned into fisticuffs. Yeah. <laughs> that was the most important thing too for us is like, you know, don't, don't let, don't let an interaction go south. Find, find me or my dad. And usually that can diffuse a situation. I never wanted anybody to, you know, have a altercation with somebody over it because what are you going to do? You know, you can't physically remove somebody from the store, you know? So it's just, you gotta, it's just, it's, it was a sensitive issue because I was, I was, there were times when I was kind of concerned that heightened emotions from both sides could lead to a situation, which thankfully nothing, we never had any bad situations, but you, you, de you definitely saw it on, you know, in the news happening at other places. So. And you all were supplying masks to people that didn't bring them in, right? You had a little um, supply of masks there for folks. Yeah, definitely. So did you at all see an uptick in customers over COVID? Maybe people that hadn't come into Sauters before, but it's a little smaller and a little more manageable and now they're um, hooked on Sauters. Yeah, we've seen, I mean, I. I've noticed a lot of new customers that have come in and um, people have made comments that they just felt safer at our store for whatever reason, what, you know, if we were, we're smaller, it's not as congested, but I, I and, and I'm sure my dad can speak on this as well, but I definitely noticed a lot of new customers. Yeah. The other thing uh, that we instituted was click and shop, mm. which uh, David came up with that idea. And that was something that I never saw coming. I'm old school. I like to pick the tomato up and look at it. 
and uh, you know, look at my produce and my meat and everything else. But David put together a program and we do click and shop and boy, that was big business during the, the height of COVID. We did a lot of uh, click and shop business and we're still doing it, taking orders you know, on email. Uh, or is it Gmail, Dave? G well, Gmail, Gmail is a form of email, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so you, anyway. Dave, explain that to me. So that was one of your innovations during COVID. Tell me, you know, how you how you were able to put that together so quickly and implement that. Yeah, I mean, it's something I, I had been wanting to do since I came back. And then um, the pandemic really created a huge, um, a huge uh, need for that. And um, basically, you know, we partnered up with a company that specializes with uh, working with independent grocery stores throughout the country. And um, it's just as simple as syncing up with them. They, they created a website for us. We had to update kind of our, I mean, we have over 30,000 products in the store at any given time. So to get all the pricing correct and everything in the description and it, it, again, the staff that I work with, they, they helped us out tremendously. It wasn't just me. You know, we, we finally got it going and it's, it's been you know, something that we continue to have success with. Um, and then we also have customers that just simply don't want to do the online because it's for whatever reason, they're just not comfortable or they're confused by it. And we'll take their order over the phone. I mean, we did over a thousand orders just over the phone in the first two months of the pandemic. And we were offering, you know, free delivery to um, our senior customers that were over 65. So that, that kind of goodwill goes a long way. And, you know, we're still seeing, you know, people that never thought they would do online shopping now, now doing it um, consistently because it's, it's just so easy for them. It has to be difficult for you though, because you are a store that doesn't always stock the same product. So I can only imagine, you know, you constantly are updating things or bringing new things in and it's only there for a couple of weeks until it's run out and then there's something else new. So it has to be challenging to keep up with all those products. Well, the beauty of it is that it's actually not as hard as it seems. How, how it works is that it syncs up with our point of sale system. And every single night there's a download that goes from our point of sale system to the website and it captures every new product or every price change or everything that's been entered in the last 24 hours. So it's really not that tough. <laughs> Once you get it set up, the hardest part is getting it set up. And then from there, it's you're basically on cruise control. Anything else that you guys learned over COVID that was, uh, I mean, so that's something that you're just going to continue. And that was kind of an innovation that came because of COVID, but it's worked out really well for you. Anything else? That we have a sanitizing service that comes in and we do sanitizing. Um, we've continued to do that and probably will continue that, you know, for quite a while. I feel like we actually might be healthier now than we've ever been as, you know, as a community because people are doing all of those things, yeah. washing their hands and yeah. wearing masks and sanitizing and all of that. I will say over the, the course of this uh, pandemic, my customers have shown a great deal of generosity. I had a lady come in and she, she handed me an envelope with cash, just gave it to me. And I didn't know what was in the envelope. She says, here, take this and do whatever you think you should do with it. So I didn't open it in front of her. I just took it and I went up into the office. There was $1,000 in this envelope of cash. We, we distributed that um, to various 
people who were in need. Um, some of one, some of it went to a student at Lord's College who was stranded. He was a foreign student and he didn't have any money for food. So some of that went there. We we had another lady, an elderly lady who who charged her groceries she couldn't afford. So we paid her bill off with that. Um, just that kind of stuff. I had another guy come in. He handed us his uh, check. Uh, what do they call those checks you get from the government? Fourteen hundred bucks. Whatever the what a those stimulus, pay? Yeah, stimulus. yeah, stimulus. Yeah. He says here. He says go buy. Uh, um, we were selling at the time. We were selling these grocery bags for the food bank for twenty dollars. So he bought seventy of them. And so. You know, just that kind of stuff. We saw a great deal of generosity. People were just giving money, giving whatever, uh, just to make sure that others were taken care of, which was kind of touching. Do you feel like you're in a better position maybe than some of the bigger stores too? When you're a family-owned business and you make all the decisions, you can do some of those things and impact the local community in such a huge way. I do. I I'll be honest with you. I don't know what the future of the big box store is going to be. And I've talked about this with Dave. Um, in 20 years, is there going to be a need for a, all these big box stores? Because they're all going to go to centralized distribution. And um, probably what's going to happen is um, some of these stores, I don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do with the buildings. Because the, the maintenance on those things and the overhead is tremendous. Right. And our store is situated, I think it's a, it's the proper size for a grocery store now. We're at 24,000 square feet. We've got everything that you would want to buy in a grocery store. I don't sell carpeting or, or you know, two by fours or anything like that. But if you want something to eat or something different, we have it. And we can get it in our little store. Yeah, if you don't have it, you can ask for it and you'll get that's, it. That's the that's right. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. You have the two stores in one in Sylvania and one in Waterville, still family owned. What do you think, Jim, your grandpa and your dad would think about the way you all have grown and expanded and where you are right now in the grocery business? Well, I don't think grandpa would even recognize the business. <laughs> And my dad, uh, he came in just at the cusp of when things were really changing. I mean, when, when I when I came to Sylvania, things started to really change. Yeah, I think they would be very proud. Uh, they would approve that we've kept this thing going. And uh, we've been very, very fortunate, very blessed to be able to continue on and hopefully for many years to come. Dave, what is your um, plan? Right. I mean, this this is going to be in your hands at one point or another. Right. And you have when you look into the future, what do you see for solders? Trends have changed a little bit. And I want to maintain what's kept us successful over the years, because things like customer service, things like quality, that, that those trends never gonna, they're never going to go away. There's something to be said about, you know, I was reading some you know, I always read some of our online reviews and somebody called us the cheers of grocery stores, right? Where everybody knows your name. And so that's that's never going to go away. And I want to keep that. But, you know, di dynamics are changing in households. You know, households, there's um, there's no longer, um, you know, there's usually two income households now. 
Um, people aren't going to the grocery store and shopping one day a week and loading up on two cartfuls of groceries to last for the week. You know, there's, they're probably going to go to a Costco then they're going to go to a Kroger and then they're going to come to Sauter's for stuff. And you have to be mindful of that. And that's not, that's just the reality of the market, right? You got to kind of offer a product mix that's going to get people in the store. You're going to offer something that nobody else can offer. And you're going to, we're going to continue to, you know, put the best product out there that is, you're not going to find anywhere else. And that's, if you do the X's and O's right, and you stay on trend, then that's all you can do, you know? So you now have um, children, how many? I have a, uh, a baby girl, and then I have a three-year-old golden retriever, so. <laughs> we have a four-legged pet and, and a four-legged child and a two-legged child. Yeah. When you think about your family business, do you hope that someday maybe your children, child or children will get involved with you in the family business, Dave? If, if she wants to, absolutely. Um, that would be great. That would be great. I, could, I can already see her now, you know, putting, putting groceries in bags and uh, taking it out to cars, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to ne- negotiate more than the 50 cents an hour though. Yeah, we can, we uh, can pay her a little more than that. it's so interesting to hear how jim and dave were able to stay nimble to stay open and available to customers during one of the most difficult and scary times of our lives food is not something we can live without neither are the store owners nor the workers who make it easy for us to pick up what we need I love the way Jim characterizes Dave's phone call to join the family business as divine intervention. Our families, our heritage, our memories, they are deep in our bones. Sometimes, as much as we think we want to get away or do something different, that ancestral call brings us back to where we started. I'm glad it did for Dave. As a customer, I'm happy to know I can look forward to many more years of shopping at Sauter's. And I'm comforted to know the Sauter family understands how vital they and their employees are to our community in so many ways. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share the podcast with others. I have many more stories to share with you in just a moment.